Well, let me offer a uh, prayer. Um, great to see y'all um, on this gorgeous spring day. And um, looking forward to our time together. And uh, let us pray and we'll begin our reflection. Heavenly Father, you so richly bless us. Uh, and we are um, we are grateful for that, most gracious God. And even as we say that, we recognize that, um, or at least I certainly recognize, despite my expression of that, that my gratitude doesn't begin to compare uh, with the blessings which you have made known to and available to us. We thank you most especially today and always for the gift of Jesus, your Son, uh, that you are the once and for all sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the world, that you through your passion, your death, and your resurrection, um, erase and defeat the barrier of sin and death that had separated us from you. We may be your sons and daughters and heirs of your promises. Lord, drive home in our hearts and our minds the profound reality of that in such a way that it would shape uh, and it would fashion our lives. And this I ask now, Lord, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to pass these uh, out. And what we're going to do today, you know, the deal every time is there's never, uh, and really, quite frankly, that's, 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 that's fine. Um, there's, never, there's never enough time, was what I was going to say, um, to explore everything worth exploring. Part of that is my personal limitations, uh, but also it's just the amount of time we have here. But I have, uh, I'm going to invite you to look with me uh, actually, at two pieces of scripture, we, the way things worked out last week, we're going to look for a minute. Um, well, we'll just see how many minutes it is. We're going to look together at the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, and then also uh, John 13, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And as we talked about previously, parables were, uh, yes, certainly um, stories which Jesus used to describe the, the grace of God, to describe the kingdom of God, to describe um, the judgment of God. I mean, all the various um, truths about Jesus, uh, truths about God. Jesus used stories, of course, to help uh, help us, um, not only to help us see and, and begin to understand, but one of the things we talked about as well is that um, stories engage us. Um, and, and I know that sounds simple, but that's not, <laughs> it's, it's more than simple. Um, stories engage us. Stories um, stay with us. Uh, and also, as Jesus told stories, um, it, it invites us um, to continue to be engaged by his truth and by his revelation. And ultimately, uh, as we engage in these stories, uh, Jesus makes possible our ability to continue to engage with him, uh, to continue to engage with God. And we talked about initially and kind of joked, you know, kids don't say, would you tell me some facts um, they say, tell me a story. Um, uh, they, you know, and so this great opportunity for us to be drawn in. One of the things we talked about as well, and I include John 13 for a couple of reasons. Um, one is I mentioned sometimes Jesus did what we call acted parables. Uh, he basically tells a story uh, with his actions and with what he's doing. Uh, and certainly in the case of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, um, that was an acted parable. Uh, and if you remember... John 13 and Jesus washing his disciples' feet, it was the day before he was crucified. So this is the night, this is the night before. Um, and so John 13 through 17 are sometimes referred to 
as the upper room discourses, and that that sounds um, I know thrilling, uh, but the but the significance of that is uh, this is Jesus's you know, before his betrayal and his crucifixion. This was his last time with his disciples and with his followers, and so he is um, uh, in some ways uh, on overdrive to. To convey his truth um, to them, and also to convey to them what it looks like to be one of his followers, and I, and I think wonderfully, both the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, and also Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Um, hopefully, what we'll experience in some ways is um, that they simultaneously crush us and encourage us. Uh, that that they simultaneously crush us uh, and encourage us. What a what do I mean by that? I mean, you probably think, well, that just sounds really inviting. Um, but um, <clears throat> the same way that Jesus wonderfully, with the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, when the lawyer asked Jesus, what must I do um, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, if you remember, you know, what does the law say? Um, and, he, and he, of course, he can't read, uh, well, he could, but I, I think everybody would, fall away at that point. You can't read the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, um, that incorporates the law. So basically he gives this summary. And of course, Jesus, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, fantastic, do that, um, and you'll be saved. Uh, and, and what I mean by crushing, when you stop to think about that, if, if our salvation comes about by our loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our, sang- our strength, and actually loving our neighbor as ourselves, if we think that that is the only means by which we attain salvation, that's crushing. Uh, is it not? Uh, we, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a really good Christian until I have to interact with people, um, you know, or, you know, I'm just, um, you know, kind of briefly a, a good Christian in my, in my thoughts, you know, momentarily, but I don't, actually, you know, the reality is I don't even have to interact with people. Um, to begin to fall short uh, of that. Uh, and so similarly, when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, he says, see, I've, I've set an example for you. See, I've set an example for you that you should do uh, as I have done um, for you. So all that, but I, I'm going to start by telling a little story that hopefully maybe share um, some of what uh, I, I hope to communicate this morning as we reflect on these two. Uh, and so we... Um, Paul and I, we've lived in our neighborhood now. I guess it's, uh, I think this, I guess it's 16 years now. We've lived uh, in the same in the same neighborhood, which, uh, well, at least for me, uh, is is a long time. Growing up, we would move often in my life. We'd, we'd sort of move every few years, part of the corporate army. And so, to, uh, would I have ever guessed I'd live in a place for 16 years? No. Um, and thankfully, I've recovered. But for a while in my life, you know. After about three years, I'd get itchy. You know, it's like, okay, it's time that internal clock would go off. It's time to it's time to go. But we've lived for 16 years um, on our street, and our kids um, are older now. Um, you know, it is funny uh, as time goes on. Um, more and more, our neighborhood has turned over. Um, and, you know, uh, Paul and Craig are you know that nice older couple. Um, you know, that, that that live up there. You know, they're the ones. Their kids are away. Um, you know, that 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 couple. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's just funny, you know, how it all begins to sort of begin to transition. But when our kids were younger, there was a, a couple that lived down the street from us, uh, and uh, she was the proverbial um, mean old lady. Um, uh, there's a, a prayer 
called uh, a tribute to whether true or not the 17th century nun's prayer and uh, in the prayer the 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 woman is praying that um, she won't become sour because she said a sour old person is one of the crowning works of the devil um, she said she said keep me reasonably sweet uh, she said I don't want to be a saint because they're insufferable um, but but keep me reasonably sweet uh, she prays you know a sour old person is one of the crowning works of the devil or just a sour person you know uh, period, I guess we should say, of, of any age uh, or demographic. But um, she was the proverbial, uh, they were they were the mean couple. Um, and they, and uh, you know, Jack and I would be out throwing the ball in the street, and the ball would roll into their yard, and he'd be like, you get it. I'm like, I'm not getting it. You get it. Because, um, you know, she'd be there, and she'd look, and she would just scowl. She, we'd never, we never saw her, literally, I mean, we never saw her outside. She just would sit by her window and scowl, and she'd, People told us about it when we moved in. We thought, oh, they're exaggerating. And then we're like, they're not. Um, she'd be banging, you know, on the window. She'd flip the kids the bird. Um, I mean, this is, I'm not, I'm, you, know, you think I'm not, uh, I'm not exaggerating. Um, and so one time I got into an argument with, with him, something about the dog or the kids or something or another. And, you know, um, it was just, you know, we were really, it was a, uh, all this you might uh, gather because uh, the, one of the questions that the lawyer asked is, "So who is my neighbor?" Um, and so, and we had we had that neighbor, uh, and as I say, they were just you know, they were uh, they were they were mean people, uh, and and she in particular. And then um, something happened. He became uh, very sick and and really more than just very sick he was dying um and and we didn't initially uh, know this but but he was dying and again she was um she was fairly fairly she was reclusive uh no fairly about it she was reclusive and so we really didn't know her but but he was dying and then um i'm trying to remember how it it all happened but but one night they had an an emergency uh and and um Paula ended up going um, down there, and he, Harry, was his name. He was, um, Harry was just, he was, he was dying right there, and they took him to the hospital. He never made it, uh, he never made it um, back home, but she didn't drive. And so after he went to the hospital, you know, here we are, and so it's like, well, what do we do? Well, Paula ended up taking her um, to the hospital to be with her husband and, and you know, began to take her um Back, back and forth. And if any of y'all know, the reason I'm laughing, if any of y'all know Paul, it's like, you're going to be her friend. Um, she is going to wear you down. Um, and, uh, she's going to keep coming at you and coming at you. And so, but, um, but, but Paula became, uh, Paula became Barbara's friend and it became one of, you know, one just out of a, you know, uh, Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, here was a person who was alone. Uh, the, no, no children around, just the two of them. Her husband was, was, was dying and then, and then died. Uh, and, and so to some degree, I think simply for Paula, um, you know, what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, she thought, well, I wouldn't want to be alone. Uh, I wouldn't want to be alone. I wouldn't want to be, um, lonely. I wouldn't want to have to, um, walk through this, uh, on, on my own. And so Paula, um, befriended, uh, befriended Barbara, uh, is, uh, Barbara was her name and, and began to befriend her and, and we would go and we would check in on her. She, um, she was originally from Germany. So it made her, you know, even better, you know, cause she had this thick German accent, you know, that make this, 
you know, scowling bird shooting, you know, kind of with that German accent. It just was all the more effective uh, to the kids in the neighborhood. But we began to, to, to visit her. That was back when I was brewing beer. And so I'd take beer to her. So she suddenly loved me. Uh, I was, you know, I was, I was great. Um, I was great after that. But we would take her, uh, we would take her out to dinner sometimes. Uh, it, you know, it was kind of costly. Her favorite spot was Captain D's. Um, and so we would take Barbara, um, to, to Cap, to Captain D's, uh, and, uh, I can remember we, one day, we had her up to the house, um, for her, for a birthday lunch for her. We'd found out it was her birthday, and so we had her up, and we had a, you know, Paula had gotten, you know, cake and balloons. We had a birthday, we had a birthday lunch for Barbara. And we're sitting there with the kids, and the kids are still, you know, they're nice, but they're still like, we're still, we're, we're not getting too close. Um, cause, and she was, um, Barbara basically never changed out of her sweatsuit, um, wore a set sweatsuit. She, um, she was kind of very childlike in that she was averse to bathing. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, Barbara was there in her finest there in her sweatsuit, um, hair matted. Uh, and, uh, Paul was like, you know, Barbara, we used to think you were, you know, we used to think you were really mean, but you're not, you know, you're not, you're not mean. And Bar- you're really nice. And Barbara looked at her. She said, I'm not nice. Um, and so, <laughs> so I, I, the, why don't I tell you that whole story? Because, um, I mean, God love her. Um, we, you know, we, uh, honestly, I mean, really, and, and, and this was not mine. I mean, this is Paula's initiative, not, not mine. So, you know, if there's a, uh, if there's a hero in the story, it certainly is not me. I was the reluctant um, one to come along, you know, as so many things in our marriage. Um, Paula gets me into something. Um, and so, but, but Paula led the way on that. So, so why do I, why do I share that with you? Because for, for any number of reasons that I hope to express, and for us to draw these out together, both from the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, but then also from Jesus washing the disciples' feet and what it also might have to say about the way that God looks at you and me, God's relationship with you and me, and, and what that also might mean to the way that we look upon other people uh, and, and the way that we interact with other people and, and that question of what does it mean um, to be a neighbor? Uh, what does it mean to wash one another's feet? Uh, what does that, you know, what does that mean in our, in our Christian life? But I, I share a couple things. One, uh, well, let me ask you this. I'm going to stop a second there. Um, and if y'all answer wonderful, if you don't, that's fine. Uh, we'll have crickets for a moment and then we'll, then we'll go on. But, um, so the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I, which I didn't read. We read it last week. Uh, it's one that you're, you know, likely reasonably familiar with. But uh, so Jesus uh, is tested by this lawyer. He desires to trap Jesus. Uh, he desires for Jesus to get himself into trouble. Basically, he's looking for Jesus to be lax uh, in his approach to the law. Uh, just say, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, just, you know, it, you know, it really doesn't matter. God's, God's got it all. Don't worry about it. Um, and, and so he's thinking he's going to trap Jesus. He doesn't trap Jesus. Jesus turns the tables and ultimately, um, traps him. But of course, um, Jesus, uh, gives him this love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, do this and you'll live. But he desired, this is verse 29, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? What do you think he was up to? Uh, what do you think his thought was there as he asked, who is my neighbor? Uh, but what was the lawyer thinking as he asked that question? Uh, and, and how, basically, uh, uh, to follow up on that, how do we do the same thing ourselves uh, in our lives and our relationships? 
clearly the lawyer thought that he should only be helping the folks that are Jewish mm -hmm. or of the same opinion as the lawyer. Yeah. And then Jesus goes and tells the story about the Samaritan who not only is not considered by the Judaites mm -hmm. um, other than but anti. Right. Because it was actually, they were part of the Israel as well. And it's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ab absolutely. Thank yeah, so the 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 lawyer very likely says, yeah, exactly. Who is my neighbor? Uh, Im implying, well, uh, a neighbor is is a faithful Jew um, like me. And and again, as you say, maybe not simply an Israelite, but basically an Israelite of my stripe, uh, of my particular theological party, um, as as well. Because you know, the Israelites of Jesus' day were like, you know, they're no different from from our you know, faith communities now. You had different. You had different parties within that larger, uh, you had the Sadducees and you had the Pharisees and you had the different groups. And so you had different, you know, basically you had your liberal, you had your conservative, you had your et cetera, et cetera. You had the different. Um, so, yeah, one, he's, he's wanting to, to narrow naturally say, well, OK, I'll do that. But um, and then you mentioned as well, and this I know I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again that it was um, it was it wasn't just an antipathy, it was a hatred of one another. The Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. I mean, to, to really, uh, as, as Jesus tells this story, I mean, there is, there is an intense, not just a, a, a dislike, but sort of an, an active, um, they would have been, uh, to see a Samaritan, if a Jew saw a Samaritan on the road, uh, you know, beaten and left for dead, the, the Jew would say, you know what, he deserved it. Um, he, he deserved it, and I might just run over him while I'm at it. Uh, and the Samaritan would do the same thing, and it, had, it went back to when the, when the kingdom was split. Um, but then also one of the things that the Samaritans did is they began to um, intermarry, uh, and, and the Jews uh, looked down on them as, as a result, uh, as a result of that. So, you know, y'all are, I mean, it was, it, you know what it was? I mean, it was, it was racial. Um, you have this, you know, it was it was race relations. It was uh, it was a prejudice and, and a and a racial hatred um, toward one another. So this was very uh, this was very deep seated there. Um, uh, yes, exactly. What what else? Because I uh, you'll be glad to know I have some more thoughts. Um, anything else from y'all? Trying to get it into something he can manage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ron. I, I, I mean, absolutely. Wants to get it. Wants to get it manageable. Wants to come up with a system. And, and you know, these are things that we do as well. We we want to self-justify. Um, what God is really interested in are the things that I think I'm reasonably good at. Do any of y'all ever do that? Um, God's not as concerned about these areas that are weaknesses in my life, but the areas I'm pretty good at, those are the ones you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Those are the things God really cares about. Uh, we do the same. We do the same and and. In our own life and, and, and faith and interaction. But here's the other thing, um, which is really a big deal when we think about this, when we think about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, as I told that story about Paula and, and, and Barbara, is we want to think, we want to think about neighbors and the people we help. And this is, this is, I think, this is true of us. We want to help people we like. Um, we're willing to help people. Uh, and, and we're really even help, willing to help people at times sacrificially. Um, but we want it to be the people we like. Uh, and we want it 
to be the people that we feel like deserve it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll help you, but not if you've been frivolous, right? You know, I mean, you know, we'll come to your aid and we'll give you some financial help. And we'll do this, you know, but, you know, have you, you know, do you really deserve it or are you in this situation because of what you've done? Um, and, you know, we, we want to define neighbor and we want to define those we help. We want to define those we serve as those who we think deserve it. Uh, and as the Jews looked at the Samaritan, they would say, you know what, you got what you deserved. Uh, as the Samaritans looked at the Jews as something bad happened, you you got what you um, deserved. And so that same hardness of heart, that same desire to sort of define who we're going to help, basically being people we like um, or who maybe look like um, us or who act like us, um, we, we continue to do that uh, by way of, of, of neighbor uh, as well, as to sort of clearly define. Uh, and the same, when Jesus washes um, the disciples' feet, um, as you, you've probably heard before, you, you may know, um, obviously, that was one of those things, you know, not only, um, you know, is this, is this uh, sort of pre, uh, you know, you, you, for the most part, you wore sandals, and so your, you know, your feet would be nasty. And you know, not only that, but you just think, you know, not to overly wear this out, but um, you know, I mean, what you'd be walking through. This is also pre-sanitation and all that kind of jazz. And so, you know, to wash, to wash feet was a, you know, I mean, it's not something. Look, y'all are all wearing shoes. I don't want to wash your feet. Um, you know, and you have nice showers and all that kind of good stuff. But I mean, to wash, yeah, to wash feet. But if you remember as well, perhaps you know, don't know, fine, either way. Um, but in that culture, typically, too, the, the, the servant, the slave who had washed the feet would not be a Jew. Because um, that was the, you know, on the whole um, pecking order, that would have been the lowest of the low, that particular that particular task to wash um, the feet. Not only because, you know, again, uh, gross. Um, um, but even even beyond that, it was, it was demeaning. Um, and, and here, of course, Jesus is, is about to die. Uh, and he's about to die for them. He's about to die um, for us. Um, and he humbles himself uh, and takes the form of the least. Uh, you know, and, and not only that, but he, we, we hear he takes off his outer garment. Um, and so uh, basically he becomes further exposed as well. I mean, he didn't strip naked, but I mean, again, he's, you know, he's, he's further um, exposed and he's there and he's on the floor and he's kneeling at their feet and he's washing their feet. And, and not, not surprisingly, that would have been um, tremendously um, awkward. And, and some of the words that I think are so powerful and so compelling right at the beginning. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour um, had come, and this is in John's gospel. And if you remember Early on in John's Gospel, in the third chapter, uh, Mary comes to Jesus at the wedding feast uh, because they had run out of wine. Uh, and she said, you know, Jesus, she sent the servants to Jesus. He'll know what to do. Um, that's my boy. Um, he'll, he'll know what to do. And if you remember, um, what did Jesus say to his mother? My time's not yet. Yeah. Mother, it's not my hour. Uh, my time has not yet uh, my time has not yet come. And now we hear Jesus saying, you know what? My time has come. The hour has uh, arrived for the Son of Man to be glorified. And the way in which he would be glorified, of course, um, is through his uh, through his self-offering uh, of himself for you uh, and for me, through his crucifixion and resurrection. So we hear that, knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them 
um, to the end. Uh, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them um, to the end. Sometimes it's been translated, he loved them to the full. Um, he loved them to the uh, utmost. Uh, I mean, to some degree, it's um, it's it's a it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of of all the above um, there that we see this this continued love and. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. I mean, so here, I mean, what a profound revelation, knowing that you had come from God, knowing that you were returning from God. Let me ask you this. Um, if you knew all that, how would you probably act? I'll tell you how I'd probably I'd probably act a little full of myself. Um, if you know, if if we're honest about, it, I mean, I try to be subtle about it, um, but um, but you know, I mean, I'd, I'd I'd feel pretty great about. It. I'd feel pretty proud. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, and I certainly wouldn't be you know uh, rushing to wash the feet of the other folks. Um, and yet we see. I mean, again, what a what an insight here um, into the character of God. What an insight uh, into. Uh, his salvation that he extends to you and to me. So Jesus, knowing all this, rose, rose from supper, laid his, aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped uh, around him. So we, we, we've talked just a little bit here, and, and, and one thing that I think is important for us to note is is this, and so, and this is to some degree by way of challenge to you and to me, but but not just uh, challenge and not ending um, there. One of the things that's noteworthy about the the Good Samaritan is the story unfolds. Of course, Jesus throws the twist in there that it is a a Jew which is lying on the ground, uh, beaten uh, and left for dead, and the you know, uh, the the Jewish uh, superstars. You know, the priests and the Levites pass by on the other side. We hear that they saw, they saw him, uh, but they chose to go around. And we talked about last time. Um, for those who were or weren't here, there was a certain prudence in their action. I mean, something that we might do. You know, it could be a trap. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to help them, but um, I don't want to get, I, I don't want to get gotten myself. Um, I mean, you know. That, you know, there, there it is. But we see that you know they they saw him, but they they made a decision uh, not to do anything about it. Some would argue that they saw him, but they didn't really see him in the sense of he was sort of beneath notice um, to them. Uh, yeah, they saw him, but um, didn't necessarily count him as a person. Uh, the Samaritan, of course, we hear not only sees him, but but interestingly, uh, and someone brought this up, and this is is resonant when Jesus. When it talks about Jesus in the Gospels, how he looked out on the people uh, and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. At one point, Jesus, not only did he look at the people, but he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Uh, and we hear, we see here the Samaritan not only sees this person lying in the road, but he has compassion uh, on him. We see that it's the Samaritan that's moved um, with with compassion uh, and and response, and so a couple of things that I want to make note for you and for me, both in the parable of the Good Samaritan and Jesus washing the disciples' feet, is 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 this. Um, it's to to follow um, 
to follow Jesus and to look at the example of Jesus, the, the love and the type of grace that he extends um, uh, and the love and the grace that you and I are called to extend, it's costly. Um, so one is to say to you and to me that it's that it's costly um, uh, because it's it's not um, if if uh, well, let's just say this uh, if if you're in a relationship and we're all in relationships in our lives with with whomever it could be a spouse it could be a family member it could be a friend it could be a, a coworker it could be your clergy Craig Smalley um, whomever um, but if if you're in a relationship and you choose to forgive someone. Something has happened. Someone has done something that's hurt you, and they've and they've taken something from you as a result. Whether that's a literal taking or a, you know, basically an emotional, um, spiritual, where they they've they've taken something from you, um, and uh, and you make a decision to forgive them. Is that costly? Yeah, it 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 it, it comes at a it comes at a cost um, to our to ourselves, to, to choose um, not to hold on to something, to choose not to nurse that, to, to choose not to fall into, not to fall into self-pity. Um, I, I can't believe they would do that to me. I'm a great guy, um, and 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 yet they did that. And I, you know, and you nurse that, you know, you nurse that outrage uh, that someone would do something that if if when when we forgive as Christians, there it's it's costly. Uh, when when we when we give um, to another person uh, in our lives, and, and, and we give it away, not that it's just from our leftover, but when we really give and support someone, well, uh, you may or may not have been fortunate. Um, you know, when, when when parents give to us in a way which is sacrificial, it's it, it costs them something um, to put, you know, a child's needs uh, above uh, our own needs. I mean, I know with... Uh, oh, I've told story after story myriad times where loving me was costly to my father uh, and my mother, not only emotionally, but also fan financially um, costly as they would come in and have to clean up um, after after some of there's There's a cost to it. So part of what we see here is that in following Jesus and in, in caring for our neighbor, there is the challenge to say, well, it's not necessarily easy. It's costly. Um, it's, it's costly to give. Uh, it's costly um, to forgive uh, and to care, but here's the other here's the other big thing I want to say as as well uh, is is this both in the parable of the Good Samaritan and, and Jesus washing the disciples' feet we see that idea of the lawyer who is my neighbor blown up uh, that idea of who is my neighbor is is blown up what what do I mean by that basically the lawyer wants to say it's all right for me to help these people that I'm attracted to but I don't have to help these people that I'm not attracted to. Uh, and, and again, that's to some degree, that's, that's all of us. We're, we're happy to help, but typically we like to help people that are attractive to us. And I don't even mean just physically, um, attractive, but we just, we like them or, or we like their personality or they seem like us, um, or they seem like we seem to think they quote deserve it. And we, you know, we, there's a certain amount of enjoyment, um, when we help those people. But what we see with the Samaritan is, um, you know, it's, it's costly. He, he goes over and he, there's risk. Uh, involved in his going over to the man on the ground. He, he binds his uh, wounds and wraps them up. He puts them on his own animal. He takes them to the innkeeper and says, here, you know, um, here's money um, to take care of his stay while he's here. When I come back, if there are further expenses, I'm going to go ahead and pay that as well. There's, there's a costliness 
to the way that he loves and cares for a person that's unlike him. And in Jesus uh, washing the disciples' feet, there's a there's a costliness there because he knows, um, you know, not only is his betrayer and Judas there in the midst, and we hear that he loves them to the end. He washes Judas's feet as well. But even the others, while they're not Judas, do they forsake Jesus? Uh, of, of course they do. We, we, we hear about it shortly thereafter. They deny him. Um, they, they, they run away. They, they leave him. And yet we see, uh, we see the costly nature of his love for them. Loving, and here's, I mean, I guess here's what I'm attempting to say. Um, part of what it means to look at who is our neighbor, part of what it means um, to love like Jesus loves is to say that it is, that it is costly, um, that it, you know, it, 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 it comes at a price for us in some ways um, to do that. And we're called to love. We're, it's funny. <laughs> here's the deal as well. And I'm not, I'm honestly, I'm not knocking the lawyers here, but it's funny, like the, the, the lawyer is trying to like, okay, how can I define this? Um, how can I, how can I craft and define what a, what a neighbor means? Uh, and, and Jesus basically says, you, well, the whole thing is like, you're going about it all wrong. You're, you're, you're more focused on the letter and you're missing the spirit uh, of, of the law. You're missing what this is intended to communicate. It's, it's not about who is your neighbor. It's what the real question is, is how do I be a better neighbor? It's to you and to me, how do I be a better neighbor um, to those who are different from me, from those that I don't necessarily like, to those who I'm not necessarily um, attracted to or, um, or drawn to? What does it look like to be a neighbor um, to, to those people? Well, when Jesus says, you know, to give without expectation of return, to help people, and you know what? It, it may be of no benefit to me at all. And actually, quite frankly, did y'all, I love that movie Groundhog Day. Any of y'all with Bill Murray? Remember the the basic story is he he plays the same day over again and again and again and again uh, and and he he starts to actually sort of develop a bit of a conscience uh, and he helps people you know first he's stealing money and you know trying to appeal to different women and all this kind of jazz and then he starts to sort of take on a bit of a conscience and there's uh, every day he goes by and this kid is falling out of this tree he would have you know been injured but he catches him every day and he puts him down the kid runs off and he's like would it kill you to thank me one time um, you know it's just kind of like, Unappreciative, and yet, uh, yet I help him time after time. Well, here's as we're coming up on time here. Here's what I want to say as well, though. Uh, so, one, we see that it's costly. One, we see that it's um, directed not just toward um, those that we are are drawn to naturally, but uh, perhaps those we're not drawn to um, naturally as well. But here's the thing, too, and here's the ultimate thing. If I just tell y'all, and if I just tell myself, you need to go and do this. How likely is that going to happen? What's the likelihood of that? I'll go ahead and answer. It's not. Um, I don't know. I was going to say guilt's not a good motivator. I don't know. I guess it motivates us a little bit. But you know, guilt's uh, guilt's not going to work. You know, you or I say you should do this um, again. You're you're like me. If I say you know what you're you're obligated to do this or you should do this, it's not going to it's not going to happen. Or if it does, it'll happen briefly, and you'll resent me for it. Um, but, you know, chances are that's not going to happen. How do we begin to be uh, moved in this type of way? Well, uh, again, it's it's looking um, to this parable of the Good Samaritan. It's looking um, to Jesus washing the disciples' feet, because what we see in this, and what can only begin to um, change our hearts and fill us with the freedom and a joy, is the realization uh, that... Um, of how we and our actions would look to Jesus. 
Jesus washes the disciples' feet and he knows what's in their heart. He knows they're going to betray him. He knows they're going to deny him. He knows that they're going to forsake him. And yet, um, we see this profound love and grace and mercy that flows uh, from his heart toward them. And it's not a deserved it's not a deserved grace. It's not a deserved mercy. It's not a deserved love. And yet he comes and he washes. He washes them. And obviously the, the symbolism there is the washing away of sins. Uh, he comes and washes them. He comes that they might be restored, that they might have a part of him, which is to say, to be his inheritors. Uh, we ultimately see that in the cross, and the cross was intended to be shameful, and the cross was... Uh, the cross wouldn't draw you to it. It, it would repel you uh, as a person was, was stripped uh, as they were nailed to the cross, as they were left there to, to die slowly. You know, it, it's not something you say, I really want to, I'm drawn to that. I really want to look um, at that. Je- basically, Jesus becomes unlovely um, for you and for me. Uh, he becomes repulsive um, for um, you and for me. He becomes least um, for you and for me. And it's and it's in that incredible news we realize that we can't begin to merit that. Um, and yet he shows us that type of love. Yet he shows us that type of mercy, that type of acceptance, that type of grace. When the, when the reality of that begins to work in our hearts and our minds, we see the way that he's come to us in a way and has paid a cost that we can never repay, then there's the opportunity for you and for me perhaps to be loved. Uh, to be secure, um, to, to, to be free, and to begin to, having been so extravagantly loved, uh, to begin to perhaps have that shape um, our hearts and our minds to count the cost a little less, um, to, to joyfully give um, a, a little more. Um, why? Because that's the path by which we find freedom, is knowing that, in essence, we can't outgive God. Uh, he's given to us in such a way with such a magnitude uh, that, uh, and it's and it's a well that doesn't run dry. Well, as we hear that, as I'm looking at time, uh, it's that time. Bless you as always uh, for your presence and your patience, and uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you that though we were unlovely, uh, you loved us in the gift of Jesus, your Son. Uh, though we were um, rebellious and unappreciative, you came that we might be washed and that we might be restored, that we might be filled. Fill our hearts and our minds and our spirits, Lord, with the extravagance of your love and grace given to us, that it might free us, that we might um, not necessarily seek to see what we can take, Lord, but what we can give. Uh, and these things we ask and offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.